Good morning, everybody. So good to be in church with you this morning. Everybody happy? So much to be happy about, so much to be thankful for. I just want to say just on a personal level here, I am so thankful to be in church with you this morning. God has been so good. Sarah kind of gave you some hints about some things that have been happening over the last week or two. We can't wait to share some more about that with you, but let me just bottom line it for you. He has done great things and we have so much to be thankful for. Uh, Sarah and I have noticed this. We've seen it in ways over the years, uh, but most especially since we've been doing church with you guys over the last year or so. Satan is such a punk. And he, he makes these little plays every now and then. And he tries to come on Saturdays, I've noticed, just to distract. I mean, our, our, this is our big day. I mean, everything in our life, every week of our life moves towards this day. And he is such an idiot and he is such a loser. And I just want to remind him and anybody else that wants to hear it, how defeated he is and how much authority and power we've been given over him and how grateful I am to be here with you on a Sunday morning, just getting refreshed and getting happy and getting thankful for the good things our God has done. Amen. Anybody else happy about what Jesus has done in us and for us? Well, as you can tell, we're going to do things a little bit differently this morning. If you brought your Bible, I want you to open with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 54. Uh, Sarah mentioned this a moment ago in one of the testimonies and the glory stories that she read, but I want to take a few minutes this morning to update you on some things concerning the plan to expand project that you and I have been involved in together now since May of this year. We've made some excellent progress, but I had it on my heart today to uh, go back over some of that and let the Lord talk to us just a little bit more about it. And then in just a moment, we're going to share some cool things with you. Isaiah chapter 54, and this is verse two, and this has been our scripture for this project. And it says in verse two, Isaiah 54, verse two, enlarge, somebody say enlarge, enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. I like this right here. Do not spare. One translation says, spare no expense. And most of the body of Christ doesn't think that way, especially concerning church and and things that have to do with the kingdom of God. We're always trying to save something. We're always trying to do it on the cheap, right? We're always trying to do it in a way that it doesn't cost. But just this instruction alone should serve to stretch and enlarge you on the inside. I mean, would God really tell us to do something and spare no expense? He absolutely would. And when they were building the temple in the Old Testament, when Solomon was building it, we were just looking at some of these things again this past week. The, not, not the thousands, not the tens of thousands, not the hundreds of thousands or millions or even hundreds of millions, but the billions upon billions upon billions of dollars that they spent constructing that temple. And do you think in the eyes of God, he was going, okay, guys, come on, you're getting carried away. This is ridiculous, right? Do you think God was concerned about any of that? Not at all. He said, spare no expense. And when they put their time into it and their money into it, it was more than time and more than money. It was heart. It was love. It was affection for God and for the things of God. And you see some of that same concept here. Do not spare, spare no expense. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. Verse three, for you shall expand. So he said, enlarge. And now he said, expand. You shall expand. Now he gives some very specific directions about the expansion here. He said, you shall expand to the right 
and to the left, that's what's right around you. What's on your right hand? What's on your left hand? That's, that's expansion in the areas that are right around you. But then he goes immediately into talking about larger expansion. And he said, your descendants will inherit the nations and make desolate uh, and make the desolate cities inhabited. So three different areas of expansion right here in this scripture to your right, to your left. And then he starts talking about expanding into the nations. And I believe what we're seeing here is that you cannot waste money. You cannot waste time serving the Lord, building and establishing the kingdom of God. No matter what you spend, it was not a waste. No matter what you do with your time, if it was invested in the kingdom of God, loving God, loving people, serving God, serving people, it was not a waste. You cannot waste time. You cannot waste money in the things of God. So we talked here about this expansion, what's right around you, your right, your left, and into the nations. Now, you know this, we've talked about it every week since uh, dedication weekend, that the Lord has it on his heart and in his mind for us to expand. And when I say us, I am talking about this church, this ministry, but I'm also talking about you. And you hear us say this on, I think, a, a really regular basis, a weekly basis, that whatever's going on in this house where else should it be happening? In your house. And I'm going to keep saying that to you until you make that connection. And we just spent, I don't know how many weeks, nine, 10 weeks talking about growing in the grace of God, identifying the grace that's on this place. And the significance of that is whatever grace you are a part of here should be what's happening in your own house, in your own place. So the grace that's being poured out on this place should be a similar grace to what's going on at your place in your house. So if we're expanding here as a body, as a family, then what should you be doing? What should you have on your heart, on your mind, uh, about your own family, about your own house? Expansion. If you're not thinking expansion, you're not thinking big enough. If you're not currently and actively believing God for expansion in some area of your life, your family, your business, your finances, your ministry, if you're not believing for expansion, you're not believing big enough. God always has expansion, acceleration, enlarging on his mind. He, you will never come to a place where God's like, yeah, I think that's probably enough. That's good. No more. Don't have to do any more. No, there's a world to be touched. There's a world to be loved and to be served with the good news of the gospel. Amen. Amen. So what we want to do this morning is first of all, give you a quick update on where we are in the plan to expand project. You know, just like the scripture identified three areas to expand in, we have identified three areas uh, to expand in this church and this ministry. Help me out. What are they? Inside. Inside outside and worldwide. Now, a lot of it right now is still in this preparation phase. You don't see a lot of it showing up just yet, but there are things and good things going on. And that's why we wanted to take some time today and go over with you some of those things that are happening, specifically regarding the inside expansion. Now, every time I say that, I think about not just the expansion we're doing inside this building, but want to remind you that that's where expansion has to take place first, inside. The expansion of your heart, 
the enlarging of your heart. And that's what David, the psalmist said to God. He said, I will run the course of your commandments. I'm asking you to enlarge my heart. And if you ever want to get something from God in your hand, then you need to realize it's first got to get in your heart. And the the reason many people don't have in their hand what God wants to do for them, what God is able to do for them, is because the heart is so narrow and so small and so constricted that what he wants to get in there, the bigness of what God wants to do for you, cannot fit in this tiny little heart. It's got to enlarge. If he can't get it in your heart, he can't get it in your hand. But right on the other hand, if he can If the heart is open enough, if the heart is enlarged enough, then it is so easy for him to get these things out of the unseen world and into the natural, material, physical, even financial world. And we can be possessors of the good thing that God has for us, but it's got to get in the heart first. So when I talk about inside expansion, yes, we're talking about what's going on in the building, but more than that, it's what's going on inside your heart, inside this temple. Uh, as it pertains to what we are doing in the building, you know that we have it uh, in our hearts to expand this lobby area. I was watching last week, I just stood here as you walked out of church and I watched all these people like file through this little door and walk down this tiny little hall and then make a hard left and there's just not room. There's not the kind of room that we need uh, for, for this to be um, the kind of experience we want people to have when they come to church. And I believe it's time, we believe it's time to open up this lobby. Uh, But what we want to do today is share with you some more of the vision that we have concerning it, because I don't think it's just a lobby. I think it's got some higher purpose in it than that. And what I want to do right now, guys, if you would get this ready for me, some of those before pictures. You walk past this space Every time you come into church, but I know we've got doors closed and you can't really see what's going on in there. Can we take just a minute and put some up, put up some of those pictures of what this looked like not very long ago? And Sarah, this is where I want you to chime in. Just hold it right there for a second. Um, When we bought this building, it had been a number of things before we got it. At one point, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was built as a school of sorts. It was kind of a place where um, teenagers, young people who were having issues either at home or uh, trouble with the law or something like that, where a judge could actually appoint kids to come and be a part of what was happening at this facility. And it was an alternative to either juvenile detention or even jail time. Uh, and so you see remnants of some of that throughout the building. There was a lot of classrooms when we got here. And that's what this whole area was. When you, right when you walk in the front doors of the building, right there to your right, and then all the way down this hall to your right as you come towards the sanctuary, it was, what, one, two, three, four, at least five, if not six different classrooms, office spaces. And you can kind of see all the, the walls and partitions that were up in there. And all of it, honestly, was really rough. I think, I'm not quite sure when that, that school stopped operating, but it, it changed hands a time or two. And um, by the time we got it, there was some things going on in the building. It wasn't officially occupied. I don't want to say what all was going on. I'll just say um, somebody was doing a lot of indoor farming. Um, one, of, one of the things that we have heard from multiple, uh, many people, um, can you hear me okay? Yeah. One of the things that we that, have um, heard from a lot of people that have been in this area for a while, you know, everybody tells you all the stories about 
all this place, which I love it because I get to hear so many different aspects of it. But one thing they said is that this property was always, someone always tried to use it to the glory of God. Like it was, it was, seemed like it was set apart for um, the work of God. I think some churches had even met in Many churches, many different ministries, different things, but this, no one was ever able to sustain it um, financially. So yeah, it's, it's been an amazing thing to watch what the Lord kind of sets apart for your use and for your glory, little city on the hill. Yeah, that's right. So you can see some of the, put those back up there, the, um, some of those before pictures, the work that needed to be done uh, throughout these rooms. Like I said, it was rough when we got into it. And so we went in and we started pulling out some of the uh, sheetrock that was between all these offices and all these rooms. And our idea has been to open this thing up. So that wall that you see down there that looks like it's kind of covered in spray paint or something, that's actually the other side of this wall right here, the back wall in the sanctuary. So that would be opened up right there from the front door all the way to this wall down here. Um, so we're really going to do a lot to try to increase some space. Go ahead and scroll through some of these. I just want you to see kind of the shape that it was in. I really appreciate the guys coming in. We had a lot of old nasty carpet in there that had to be pulled up. You know, when stuff's been glued to the floor for 20 years, it, it doesn't come up quite as easily as you would want. But look at that. I mean, they were able to get it up. We got all the old ceiling tiles down, pulled some of the, the uh, drywall out. Just keep cycling through those. And, and we've made some good progress to get it to the point where it's basically a, a clean slate, a canvas, if you will. What else do you have of that, guys? Go ahead. That's all. Um, so what we've done over the last several months since we started talking about this was really spent some time, number one, in prayer about it, wanted to get the heart of the, heart of the Father on it, and number two, putting some things to paper, uh, putting a plan in place. You're going to have to get a vision out in front of you, you know? Uh, as much as you want to just start working on stuff, you're really going to have to uh, backtrack. If you don't have a vision, if you don't have something clear in front of you, then you'll end up having to correct mistakes along the way. And I've always said it like this. If you don't spend time preparing, you will spend time repairing. So the time you spent in preparation is never wasted time. Whatever time you spent praying over something, whatever time you spent seeking the heart of the Father on it, whatever time you spent writing it down and fine-tuning it and changing what needed to be changed, it's not wasted time. Because whatever time you spend in preparation, you're saving yourself that time later on by not having to go back and redo it and, and, and fix mistakes. What I want Sarah to do is present to you today what we believe is the vision for where this inside expansion is about to take us. You want to go ahead and take a look at some of that? Yeah. So, um, if you guys want to just put up, um, these are just initial renderings of what we want the lobby to look like. So if you guys want to just put those up. Nope. That's not it. Oh, we, there we, it is. Isn't that beautiful? Can you show the, just the entry picture, please? Um, there we go. So this is the front door, actually, where you'd be walking in, and this is the first thing you'll see. Welcome to Legacy. And, um, of course, some of these things will change as they become real. <laughs> you know, a rendering is, is just basically our vision of it. But um, through the left doors over here, you can see that's where you currently take your 6- to 12-year-olds to class. But over time, um, that will become the hospitality room. 
where we're able to minister to you and also to to ministers that come in and different people that come in for conferences. We will be able to feed them. We have a full, if you don't know this, we have a full um, commercial kitchen back there. And so some of you that are in hospitality and some of you amazing chefs out there, um, in time to come, we'll be utilizing you and you'll get to serve in those capacities. But um, we're just looking forward to all the conferences that are going to be coming up and we'll have ministers in, we'll have people in and we'll be able to host them and love on them. You know, a lot of ministers, they're burnt out and they're tired and they need to come to a place where they get refreshing. Yeah. And you know, this church is going to be a healing center for them. It's going to be a refreshing place that they can come right. in and they can receive the love of God and they can be built up and refreshed again and be able to go back out and serve their, um, where they're called to be and to, to be a greater blessing. Wouldn't you love to be a part of that and helping people? So just a little bit of our vision for this area past those doors back there. And then if you want to pan and just show the rest of the room, um, we just have multiple seating areas where you're going to be able to fellowship and spend time together. Um, we're really looking forward to, and you know this, seriously, we, yeah, we wanted to show you something this week, but things will uh, get better. <laughs> they'll, they'll end up, you know, I think it's beautiful. Better, better. Um, but you'll be able to see, we're going to have bigger windows in there, so you'll be able to see out to the mountains, a beautiful view. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to, you know, we don't want to announce too much too soon, but we're in prayer about what um, more that want more days of the week that we are going to get to minister to you mm -hmm. and your family as a whole. And so we're looking forward to um, I don't, things. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say too much. Um, you're all like, tell me, tell me. I can feel it. But um, we're just looking forward to the days ahead when we're going to get to spend more time in this room. Just hold and, it right there for a second. And guys. a lot of fellowship. So, um, um, and also, you can't see yet the hospitality room, but it's where the children, 6 to 12-year-olds meet. We're going to have lots of fun and games in there for them and lots of food and stations, coffee bars, things like that. That will be super fun. Do you um, want to talk about these rooms off the hallway there? Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if there's any other views, Jay, of, of the other rooms, but there are also rooms off of this hallway that you haven't been able to utilize yet, but they're bigger spaces, and we're going to use them as multi-purpose rooms where we can minister to uh, youth and young people. We can also minister to our, our choir. We'll have a place to meet during the week and, um, and practice and fellowship. We'll also have a place for us to be able to do um, altar care ministry where we can have people in these rooms and have yeah. more prayer time and more one-on-one so -on -one time to minister to them. So we're really excited about this is is a lobby, but it also um, encompasses um, the hospitality area off to the um, other room and also these extra rooms that we're going to be able to minister to more people. So we're really excited about that. Also, we're going to be um, adding bathrooms, bigger bathrooms, to the um, opposite side of that wall, the gray wall. There's going to be, through that is a hallway that will have extra bathrooms. So we will be totally, we'll have so many bathrooms for you. You'll be so happy. But um, This was one of our big goals, too, was uh, fixing the whole bathroom situation. Um, I don't like the fact that a bathroom opens and it's like, 
hello world, you know, it's like this view, this great view. Nobody wants a good view into the bathroom. So we're doing what we need to do to create some more privacy and make that a more pleasant experience for everybody in the church. Um, but you know, a lot of those little things, you just, you got to spend time with and think about them. But um, before you move on, I just want to say what an excellent job these guys have done putting this together. I so appreciate the hard work. This this stuff is not easy uh, to compile these things and make these things look the way they do. And this is really excellent. As a matter of fact, when we, we did some of these similar things with the, the vision for this room, the sanctuary that you're in, and when we showed them to the construction company that we had hired to come in and help us, they were like, who did this? This, this is really good. I mean, typically you have to pay tens of thousands of dollars just to get images that look like this. And Jason on our team and others, Jordan, Tyler, and Sarah sat down and worked with it together. I'm telling you, this is the grace of God helping us do things that is, it's beyond us. It's beyond our experience. It's beyond any natural ability. This is the goodness and the grace of God. So what do you think? I mean, this is beautiful, isn't it? Can you show some more, can you show some more pictures? Or like scroll through them a little bit more. Yeah. Fireplace. Are you kidding me? We're about to need that. Yeah. It's beautiful. Anything so else you want to say? About yeah. It? So we'll add more and more artwork and pretty things. We'll hopefully have um, a, a big screen in there at some, in some area that tells you announcements for the week so that you can make sure you're staying clued in on everything happening in the church. Um, and then also this welcome desk, you know, we're just so looking forward to being able to help people get on service teams. You know, it's so much more than just a room. It's the heart yeah. of God, um, coming to pass and, and, you know, every church is supposed to be a, a place, a safe place where people can come in and they can find their place in the kingdom. They can find a place to serve God. They can find a place um, to meet. Um, they can fellowship with other people around the word of God and have a lot of things in common. So I think we're going to get it. Yeah. And having shown you that, what I want to do today, just for a few minutes, is talk about what I believe is the higher purpose behind this. You might think, well, you know, it's a room. It's pretty. Let's build it. Let's get on with this. But everything we do around here in our lives personally and with this church, we seek to have a purpose in it not to just do something for the sake of doing it. If you're just going to do something, I mean, that list is long. You can find something to do and even good things to do. But what you want to make sure is that you have God involved in it. You want to make sure you're doing like what Jesus said. I only do what I see my father do. And that was not something he said as an isolated instance where he's the only one that can do that. He said that as our example. He said that as, as an example to you and to me that we ought to be able to say the same thing in our lives, our family, and in this ministry. We only do what we see our father do. And he does not do things just for the sake of doing them. He does things with purpose and he does things with people in mind. And when you think about life that way and you think about God that way, it really helps simplify everything. It's all about people. It's all about the love that God has for people. And, and that's what this room is about. I want to take just a minute or two from the scriptures today and share something with you. And I want this, the vision of it, to get big on the inside of you as we start construction in there and start making steps towards finishing this process. But go with me to the book of 1 John. If you would, please, 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. And verse 3 says this, and we'll have this on the screen for you as well. 1 John 1, 3 says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you 
that you also, listen to these words, may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Listen to it again. The things that we've seen and the things that we heard, that's what we declare to you. Now, John was writing this as a firsthand eyewitness of the life and the ministry of Jesus. Man, he was there. He was there when it happened. He was there when the word got preached. He was there when the dead got raised. He was there when the 5,000 got fed. He was an eyewitness of it. And he's saying, now we're declaring to you what we've seen and what we've heard. But listen to the purpose in it. I'm saying this, he said, so that you may also have fellowship with us. I'm preaching the word to you so that we have something to fellowship in. So that we have something to fellowship over. And then he said, and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. People ask the question and people have asked this question probably for all of human history. What am I here for? What is the purpose of this thing called life? What is the purpose of my life? Now, I want to endeavor to answer that. And you think, really? Wow, that question, you can answer that. Well, if you use the word of God as the place you go to find your answers, then the answers are actually kind of easy to find. Things that have stumped people for millennia, you can find the answer. It's been right here all along. Your call, what you were created for, and the purpose in your life is in one word, fellowship. You and I were created for fellowship. First Corinthians chapter one, verse nine says, God is faithful. Man, I just like the sound of that. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful by whom you were called. You have a calling and that calling is to fellowship to fellowship with Jesus, to fellowship with the Father, that is your calling. That's your purpose. That's the purpose of your life. That is the purpose of human life, is to fellowship with God. And you hear that and you go, oh, okay. Well, I thought you were going to like really answer the question. I am really answering the question. That's it. You were called to fellowship. Now, people typically think of when they're trying to answer that question, what's my calling? What am I here for? They think about what they're called to do. And people like you and I, believers, church going folk, (laughs) we think about it in terms of my calling to the mission field, my calling to the ministry, my calling to the medical field, my calling to make a home, my calling into this area or that. What's my calling? And they think of it in terms of what do I do? What do I do now? What am I going to do with my life? What's my work? What's my labor? But the truth is you only find out what you're called to do after you find out what you're called to be. The calling on your life to do something is real and every one of us have it, but it does not come apart from this call to fellowship, answering the call to fellowship. 
What you're called to do and the revelation of it will come after you answer the call of what you're called to be. And what you're called to be is a son or a daughter of the most high God. That is your calling and you have been called into fellowship. That's your first call. In the book of Mark chapter six, as Jesus was sending out the disciples, it's a powerful it's, it's a powerful passage of scripture because he sends out the disciples, but the Bible says when the apostles returned, as far as I can tell, it's one of the first times it's that word used to describe these guys. Apostle just means sent one. They, they were disciples. Now they are apostles. Why? Cause they got sent, right? That's their calling. And he sent them out to lay hands on the sick. He sent them out to preach the kingdom. He sent them out to, to see people recover and set free and to cast out devils. He sent them out and they came home apostles because they had been sent. Well, that's my calling. That's what I'm called to do. But there's a verse before any of that that says, Jesus called the 12 to himself. Now you can read that like Jesus said, hey, y'all come here. But I believe it's deeper than that. I believe that had they not responded first to the call to him, they never would have heard the call to go. Called into fellowship with him. Somebody say, I'm called called to fellowship. fellowship. Say it like this. I'm created created for fellowship. So this call that we have on our lives to go and to do and to minister, it's a big thing. It's a wonderful thing. And it's something you and I can spend our lives doing and we should, but it's only going to come out of first answering the call to fellowship. Go to the book of Acts chapter two. We spent a lot of time over the last several weeks in the book of Acts, looking at the early days of this church. And we know Acts chapter two. Because we are Acts chapter two and the same spirit of God that hit that place and filled those people has hit this place and is filling these people. We are an Acts chapter two bunch of people. And if that makes you nervous, uh, either hang out and find out some stuff you don't know about that. Uh, I, I don't know what else to tell you, but that's who we are and that's who we are going to be. But look towards the end of this chapter down around verse 40. This is after Peter had come out and preached to the people after being filled with the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 40, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, that day, one day, about 3000 souls were added to them. That is miraculous church growth. And it's the grace of God. But look in verse 42, and they, they who? They, the 3,000 that just got added to this church, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Continued steadfastly in it. One translation, and I'll read this to you in a moment, but talks about how they gave constant attention to the doctrine. One of the things that you will get if you spend any, any amount of time at this church One of the things we desire for you to get more than anything else and to develop in is a love for the word of God, a value for the word, a reverence for the word, a respect, an honor, and an awe for the word of God. 
One thing we're not content to do is to come in here and get together and give you some thoughts, give you some of our opinions, or even just preach our own experience. That's nothing without a foundation built firmly on the word of God. And that's one of the things you're going to find that defines us more than anything else. These people love the word. These people preach the word. These people live the word. These people go to the word for everything. And I found that out as a teenager growing up in the house that I grew up in, man, it was, it was the word. It was the word in the morning. It was the word at noontime. It was the word when the sun went down. And as a kid, as a teenager, if I had a problem or my sister, if either one of us had an issue, we would go to mom and dad and say, we need help with this, or we need to do that, or we want that. They'd say, okay, what's the word say? What's the word say? What's the word say? And as a kid, you know, you kind of roll your eyes at it. I don't know. Tell me what the word says. Then I'll know. And they did. They were faithful to do that in our house. This is what the word says. Jeremy, this is what the word says about your healing. Jeremy, this is what the word says about your friendships. This is what the word says about relationships. This is what the word says about the meeting of your needs and the provision. This is what the word says. And so one of the things that we desire for you to gain in your time here and, and as we continue to lay the foundation of who we are and what we're going to be is this love for the word of God. Call us crazy, but we think there's answers in this. We think that there is the solution to any and every problem and that it can be found in the living word of God. And we don't think that it's some old book with some old ideas. We think this thing is alive. We think this thing is powerful. We think this thing is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide asunder the soul, the spirit, the joints, the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We believe this thing is God speaking to you. That's what we believe. And you can tell as this church in the book of Acts was beginning to grow that these 3,000 or more people and those that were being added daily, the first thing, somebody say the first thing, the first thing they did was come together around this doctrine, around this preaching. What preaching? Well, Peter, John, we're just preaching to you what we've seen. We're preaching to you what we heard through our fellowship with Jesus what they were eyewitnesses of in their time with Jesus. But that's not the end of this verse. What we're reading here is what I believe to be major catalyst to the miraculous growth and spread of this church. Verse 42 again, verse 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and, and what? fellowship, fellowship. They continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and in fellowship, in breaking of bread and in prayers. What I'm endeavoring to get across to you this morning is that there was more than one thing happening in this body. Now, one of the things that I've observed growing up, like I said, in a house of faith, and in and around the ministry I grew up in and others like it. Out of this value for the word of God came this other thing that I think may not have been intentional 
And it was, it was forget everything else and forget anyone else. I want that word. And in a way, it's, it's, it's a good approach because you're, what you're saying is I value the word of God above any, above any other word, above any other opinion. But go back to this scripture. What else was happening in that church? It wasn't just the preaching of the word. It was that and it was that first. But what came out of that was what? Fellowship. Fellowship. What you were called to do, what you were called to be. Yes, your calling is first to fellowship with God Almighty, but that is supposed to overflow into the fellowship that we have with each other. We need each other. I don't know if you know that or not, but you need me and I need what's in you. Now this word fellowship, our thinking of it maybe has been small or incomplete. Think it, we think of it as hanging out, fellowshipping, right? We're hanging out. It's just the church word for hangout, right? No, there's more to it. The, the word itself literally means community, which is kind of a big word right now uh, in church circles, particularly like you were saying the other day among y- younger people. I'm just, I just want community. I just want community. And I think what's happening is people in their 20s, mid, early 20s, late 20s into 30s, what they're saying is, I, I want youth group part two. I want youth group to just keep lasting. Because when they think of community, what they think of is oftentimes, not everybody, but a lot of times is hangout. I want people to hang out with. And there's certainly nothing wrong with hanging out. But listen to some of these other words that talk about, or really what fellowship is. It's not just community. It's actually the word communion. So when we receive communion, the broken body and the spilled blood of the Lord Jesus, what we're actually doing is fellowshipping with him. Because the word itself literally means community, communion, communication. It literally means sharing sharing. What we're doing through communion is sharing. We're sharing in Jesus' death. We're sharing in his resurrection. He's letting us share with him. That's fellowship with him. It it means to share together, but it literally, literally means this, to share what we have in common. So it's more than just a hangout thing. Go back to what these folks in the book of Acts were actually fellowshipping around. They were fellowshipping around what they had in common. You believe in Jesus? Me too. We've got that in common. You believe he died? I do too. You believe he he rose again the third day? I believe that too. And we're fellowshipping, we're sharing, we're communicating around what we have in common. And what they had in common was this uncommon belief that Jesus was and is the son of God, that he died for them, that he rose again for them. That, that belief was not worldwide. It was with this group of people. Now, I know there's thousands of them, but relatively speaking, that's a small group. And they had something in common that they could share with. So the fellowship was a lot, was about a lot more than just hanging out. 
It was, it was about more than just, you know, bread and wine at this guy's house on a Thursday night. It was about what they had in common. And they believed what they had in common was enough to fellowship around, to build a friendship around. The Weiss translation of it says it like this. They were giving constant attention to the teaching of the apostles and to that which they had in common with them. That's what they were giving attention to what they had in common, that common belief, that common love. And to the breaking of the bread, to the gatherings where prayers to God were offered. I wrote this down. Fellowship is more than just hanging out. It's about building friendships centered around the things we have in common. The things we have in common. Jump in here. I've talked for a while. Whatever uh, you want to add to this, I want to hear it from you. But I wanted to go to Psalm 68 before I got finished. And if there's something you want to add to it, please do one more scripture for you. Psalm 68. I love this Psalm. Just start around verse four, Psalm 68, verse four. He said, sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah. And rejoice before him. Now look at verse five. This is who he is. A father of the fatherless. A defender. One translation says a protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. These are positions in a family. A father. Well, that's reference to his family. He's a father to the fatherless. A defender, a protector of widows. That's a family function. And you see that in verse six, it says, God sets the solitary in families. He sets the solitary, the ones who are isolated, the ones who are disconnected, the ones who are not hooked up or joined in. God's not good with that. He's not okay with you or me or any of us living life on an island, separated, isolated, or disconnected. And what he does and part of his function as God is to take those people who are that way, isolated and disconnected, and to find the family they fit in and to put them in that family. And he sets those people right there in those families. Now listen to the next words. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. So we talk a big talk about prosperity. Oh, God's a God of abundance. God's a God of increase. He wants to bless you. Open the windows of heaven above you. Pour out a blessing. And all that is good. All that's truth and it's right because it's in the word. But evidently, your prosperity has everything to do with you being in the family he puts you in. And your prosperity will be limited if you choose to continue to live an isolated, disconnected life, not a part of the family that he puts you in. If you could get everything you needed from God on your own, there'd be no reason for a family. There'd be no reason for Sunday morning. There'd be absolutely no reason for what you and I are doing right now if you could just go get it all on your own. And yet people are trying it every single day. And they are deceiving themselves, kidding themselves, thinking, I'm good with God. It's other people I don't get along with. 
But the Bible says, if you say you love God and you hate your brother, you're a liar. That's what first John said. You claim to love God without loving and fellowshipping with his people. You're lying to yourself. You're kidding yourself. If you could get everything you needed on your own, disconnected from the family, there'd be no reason for him to set you in a family. Now, Jesus said in John chapter 15, he talked over and over verse after verse about you and me bearing fruit. What is fruit? It's produce. It's what we produce in this life. It's the result. It's the proof there is a God he loves us. He's involved in our lives. He's working on our behalves. And this fruit is proof of that. And that's why Jesus is so emphatic about it. I want you bearing fruit, bearing fruit. My father's glorified when you bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit, and that you'd bear more fruit. But the only other thing he talks about in that passage more than bearing fruit is the way you go about bearing fruit. He said, you have to abide in me. Just like a branch abides in the vine. He said that branch cannot bear fruit of itself. That branch cannot disconnect and isolate itself apart from the vine. That branch can't say, you know, I I'm good. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm the vine. My father is the vine dresser. The branch can't say I'm good with the vine dresser. It's the vine I'm not crazy about. So I'm going to disconnect and I'm going to go over here and produce my own fruit. You ever seen a branch in and of itself produce anything? No, it can't. It has to abide. It has to stay connected to the vine. And if it will, it will produce fruit. There will be nothing but proof of all the life that's in that vine, in those roots, coming up that vine, overflowing down that branch and producing fruit. But the only way we produce anything is when we stay connected. And again, people are like, well, I am, I'm connected to God. I can connect with God out in the woods as good or better than I can at your church on a Sunday morning. Not according to him. <laughs> I can connect with God better in my backyard, all on my own. Not according to him. Now I'm not saying you can't fellowship with him in that way, but listen to me. You cannot, you cannot abide in God while you disconnect from what is of God. You follow that? Don't kid yourself thinking I'm abiding in him while I disconnect from the family he put me in. Evidently, there's something this family has that you need. Is it the revelation that comes from the word? Yes, it is. But it's more. It's the fellowship that you and I have around what we have in common, around that common belief. Now the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a big family and it's a global family, but in comparison to the population of the world, Jesus said it's small. And then you get even smaller when you talk about specific, specifically what you and I believe. <laughs> There's much of the rest of the family of God that doesn't want anything to do with this part of the family. And it's fine. We all have people in our family like that, don't we? <laughs> They're family, but. And sometimes I feel like that's who we are because of the things we say about God, because of the extreme faith we put in his extreme goodness. Oh, yeah. 
because we're not willing to say that, you know, oh, it's just the sovereignty of God that this happened, or it's just the mysterious plan and will of God that that happened. No, we're the kind of crazy, crazy people that think God is good and he's good all the time and he's faithful to his word. And just because we don't experience something yet doesn't mean we can't have it. Then we're going to put some more faith in God and we're going to live by that faith and talk by that faith and fight by that faith. And the more we talk like this, the rest of the family's going, okay, sure. Okay. But if you're like that and we're like that, guess what? We got something in common and we can build a fellowship and a friendship around that. And we've even had people say to us, people come to us over the years, Jeremy, Sarah, we want to help you in the ministry. We want to, we want to serve. We want to be a part of it, whatever you need. Great. Glory to God. All right, let's do this. And and we're so thankful for it. And then we've had folks in a very short amount of time, uh, move on, do something else, go somewhere else. And, and you know what? You got to do what the Lord tells you to do. And one of the things we've realized in the years of ministry that we spent, and particularly over the last year or so in the church, we realized people do two things. They come and guess what else they do? They go and it happens and it's okay. But we've had folks say to us sometimes, yeah, maybe it's not for us to say if it's okay. That's between you and the Lord. But we have had people say to us, now look, we're going to go over here. We're going to do this, but we don't want this to affect our friendship. It's like, okay, I get it. I was in junior high once too, you know, can we just be friends is what they're saying. One, I think you realize people have an incomplete view of what friendship actually is. But number two, you just want to say to folks sometimes, yes, of course, we'll be friendly to you. We're not excommunicating you from our lives. That's nowhere even in the realm of our thoughts. But what was our friendship based on? We came together around what we had in common. What we had in common was a common passion for the kingdom. What we had in common was a desire to build something for the Lord and to let Jesus build his church through us and to serve people with this word and to teach them how to live by faith. And if that's what we had in common, that's what our friendship and our fellowship is built around. This is not to say we can't be friends or be friendly, but what I'm telling you right now is look around you because the people in this room are the ones you have something in common with. And it's more than just, oh, you like this flavor of ice cream? So do I. Or, oh, you like this kind of music? Or you like those movies? So do I. We can hang out. It's way, way, way deeper than that. It's kingdom. It's the word. And if you have that in common, then you've got enough with somebody or several somebodies in this room to build something that will impact your life and change the world. And we need that from each other. Why are we talking about this? That's what that room's about. As a matter of fact, that's what pert near 10,000 square feet of this building is getting ready to be dedicated to. Fellowship. Friendship. Because if you're coming to church on a Sunday and all you're getting is the word preached at you, that's good. 
But that's not all that's supposed to be happening. I mean, as a preacher, I don't like preaching along and, you know, 18 minutes into the message, seeing somebody gather their things and leave. You know, that's leaving early, right? But if you come to church and all you did was hear a message and you leave without encouraging somebody else, without fellowshipping or sharing with somebody else what you have in common, you left early. I don't care when the service was dismissed. If you left without fellowship, then you left without something you needed. That's what that room is for. Preach, please. You know, a huge part of this is denying self, laying down your life for a friend. And to have good friendships You've got to lay down some things. You've got to lay down insecurity. You've got to lay down pride. You have to be more mindful of extending love than expecting it from others. Oh, girl. Praise the Lord. And there comes a point when you have to get over self and get over worrying about what other people think about you all the time. Get over what somebody didn't do for you. No more woe is me, but instead, what can I do to bless you? And I just believe that we have a, a group of people here, a congregation full of selfless people. Amen. Not always looking to somebody else, what can you do for me? But always thinking about what can I do for you? Yes. And you know, you've heard me say this before, but the Lord has said to me before, if you will spend all your time blessing, you will have no time for cursing. If you talk good about people all the time and you expect good of people all the time, you won't be talking bad about them all the time. Right. You will be expecting good things. What does a faith person do in a relationship? A faith person expects the best. Expect someone to come up from where they are. Expect someone to come out of the ashes and help raise them up and see them uh, begin to thrive in life. This is loving people. This is serving people. This is being a faith-filled person. I'm going to believe in you no matter if you believe in me or not. I'm going to love you no matter if you love me or not. I'm going to serve you no matter if you do one thing for me. This is being like Jesus who talked about laying down your life for a friend. This is friendship. Yeah. And a lot of people have a lot of confusing thoughts on what friendship is. I mean, there's a lot of talk about, well, you don't meet my needs, I am going, I need to have, I need to practice self-care. I need to spend more time thinking about myself. You're not meeting my needs. You're not doing for me what I do for you. This is unhealthy. And this is not what Jesus taught about laying down your life for a friend. Even Jesus demonstrated this before he went to the cross and he lined up all of his disciples and he got on his knees and he washed their feet. This is friendship. Not what he even washed the feet of those who would betray him. 
This is service. This is being kingdom-minded. This is the love of God. This is real friendship. I was reading this scripture this morning. Um, let's see, where's our... <laughs> I only have so many hands up here, guys. Um, it was... This one, Proverbs 17, verse 17, it says, A friend loves at all times. Not a friend loves when someone else is loving them. Not a friend that loves when someone else is treating them the way they want to be treated. No, a friend loves at all times. You know, real friendship is a seed. It has to be sown, just like anything else in life. I'm going to love you no matter if you're in a good mood or not. <laughs> I'm going to love you no matter the way you treat me. I'm going to love you. Now, that doesn't, matter. that doesn't mean that you need to be best friends with everybody. And it doesn't mean that you don't need to have boundaries in your life, healthy boundaries. And it doesn't mean that everybody is supposed to be that person who's the closest to you. You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit in all of these things. Amen? You have to be led, but a friend will love at all times. It will, it will be a selfless kind of love. You know, isolation, we saw in that scripture that Jeremy read in Psalms, is not the will of God. Yeah. Because he didn't say, I let the solitary hang out on their own. Right. He said, I place the solitary in a family. I put them in a place where they can thrive. I put them in a place where they can build relationship. I put them in a place where they can prosper. That's his will. You know, isolation is just simply being detached. It's being disconnected. And I know Jeremy's already really covered this, but I just, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about self-isolation you know, when it comes to if people get COVID or um, dealing with sickness, well, what is that? They're putting, set, setting away a diseased person to be on their own. And, you know, I've thought about this in terms of even just mental health and people dealing with things like this. Oftentimes, people choose to be isolated, to stay away from the pack. And what they do is they don't realize that they have separated the enemy has separated them and is they have opened themselves up to a lot of things that they shouldn't be opened up to. A lot of pity party, a lot of uh, uh, thoughts and being alone is not necessarily a good thing. But being in a family, being with the family God's put you in. And I was thinking about this term, so self-isolation, what is it? It's self-centeredness. It's I'm refusing to go in to the family God has given me. I'm refusing to go in and to be a blessing. I'm so insecure and so sad. You know, most people that say that they're self-isolated say that they go into deeper and darker depression the more and more alone they are. Yeah. I just want to encourage you to get out of that world of, you know, it's the enemy's territory, it is. It's a place where he can feed you lies. I'm all alone. Nobody loves me. I'm out here on my own. We are on our own. No, that's not God's plan. God's plan is that you would go in, that you would get plugged in, that you would get involved. And I know that we talk about this scripture a lot, but the Bible tells us that those who are planted 
in the house of the Lord. What is that? It's another, uh, it's another, be, it's another plant uh, terminology. It's like abiding in the vine. It's those who are planted, those who will set their roots down deep in the house of God. Not always wondering, well, is this my place or is this not my place? Where am I supposed to be? I don't know. I don't know if I can trust these people. I don't know. I don't know if I can talk, you know, worried about things like this all the time. No, get outside of yourself. Get over into blessing somebody else all the time. Who cares what people do for you? You want to live that kind of life? I don't want to live that kind of life where I care what people are doing for me all the time. If you do that, I know from experience, it will be miserable. You will live a miserable existence. But if you will get outside yourself and love somebody else, you will become the happiest person on the planet. And I'm just telling you, this is what real friendship is. A friend, a real friend, loves at all times. A real friend lays down their life. And if we would be a kind of people and a church that are not expecting something from someone else all the time, but instead are thankful for everything, we would become a light to this community. We would become a light to this state. We would become a light to this nation and to the nations of the world. We're not so consumed with self, but we love our brothers. We love our sisters. We care more about you than we care about self. And so I just, well, I think I should be done. You go ahead. (laughs) Well, in Psalm 68, again, listen to that verse. God sets the solitary in families. If you look up that word set, you know what word comes up in the definition? Abide. In other words, when God sets somebody in a family, he does that with the expectation that they'd stay there. So when you think about it, God sets the solitary family. Think about it in the same sense that concrete sets. When you pour it, you give a little bit of time, what happens? It sets. In other words, it ain't going anywhere. And when God has identified the family that he wants you connected to, he sets you there Not with the expectation that you might come, you might not come. You come and you go as you please. He sets you there with the expectation. I want you to stay here until I move you. And again, I understand that. We don't just, most people don't just stay in one spot forever. I get that. But if it's God that puts you in the family, then it needs to be God and God alone that can take you out of it and, and connect you somewhere else. So when he sets you and I there, he does it with the expectation that we'd stay there. He sets the solitary in a family. Again, he brings out those who are bound into prosperity. So your prosperity depends on you being in the family he puts you in. But listen to the last statement in that verse. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Rebellious. Think of this in, in terms of family because that's who and what we are. And every person in a family has a function to, to bring and a part to play in that family. And sadly, there's a, lo- a lot of young people, a lot of teenagers, they go through a period of life where th- there's, there's this rebellion that rises up. You've seen it, I've seen it, maybe even experienced it ourselves. This rebellion thing that rises up, what is it? It's, it's that I want to be anywhere but with my family. Hey, sweetheart, we're having a family night. Ugh family night. So stupid. 
I want to go out. I want to be with my friends. That rebellion rises up. But if you, if you pay attention to it and look what's trying to happen, it's trying to disconnect them from the family. And number one, our teenagers don't have to go through that. They don't have to experience that. The young people, the children and the young people of Legacy Church, I'm going to say it with some boldness, they don't have to go the way of this world. They don't have to walk according to the course of this world. Our young people can grow up with a fire and a passion for God and the word of God, and it can do nothing but get brighter and brighter and brighter as they get older and older and older. And I believe they can live lives where they stay connected to their families. They stay hooked with mom and dad, not dependent on them for everything all the time, but committed to the same God. And, and mom and dad's God has become my own God. I got my own God. And my own relationship and fellowship with him. I believe we can have that. But it's not just teenagers. It's not just young people that have to fight off that rebellious spirit. We all do. There's a sense and this thing that tries to rise up in us to disconnect us from the family that God puts us in. And if you go back to what Sarah was talking about, Satan uses what other people do to try to drive you out of the family but you're not staying connected because of who or what they are. You're staying connected because of who you are, because you're a faithful person, because you're a faithful friend, because you're faithful to God and you're faithful to the family and the rebellious, they dwell in a dry land. What's a dry land? One where there's no fruit being produced at all. But that's not us. I said, that's not us. We're going to be a family. And this family's built on number one, the, the commitment to the word of God, and then our fellowship around that word and what we have in common. And we'd like to quote this verse out of the book of Hebrews, you know, Hebrews 10, 25, we're not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. But a lot of people hear that and they think, you know, go to church, go to church. I'll check the box. If I'll go and I'll sit there for a little bit, box checked, home, go. But listen to the verse before it. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider one another. That's different than just considering yourself. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. So this assembling of ourselves is, is about far more than you coming and sitting and hearing some word for a little bit. That's good. And I'm glad you do. But the assembling, the putting together of ourselves starts with the words you hear and then you leave in this place considering somebody else stirring up love, stirring up good works. So we say all this today to give you the vision behind what's going to be going in in this lobby, the hospitality areas, the rooms throughout the building. It's about this fellowship. It's about you building friendships that last a lifetime, that impact your life and those you minister to and those who have a flow of life coming to you as well. And again, if you're coming to church on a Sunday and even if you stay until the moment I or somebody says you are dismissed, if you leave without fellowship, you left early. If you leave without fellowship, you've left without something you really needed when you came. Can I say one thing yeah. about this? 
Um, talking about all things being in common this morning, I was thinking about the story when Jesus was out ministering and he had some of his people come to him and tell him that his mother and his brothers, they were standing outside wanting to speak to him. And right after they said that to him, um, this is, if you want to write this down and read it later, it's in Matthew 12, verse 46. But um, he, he like puts his arms out around his disciples and he's like leans and looks at them and he says, these are my mother and my brothers. The, those who will do the will of God with me. And it was an interesting thing that those people could be closer to him than his actual blood relatives. That those people that he was to do life in the family of faith where, you know, he was called to. These guys were closer to him, were more like a brother than even his own natural brother and his own natural mother. And um, in Proverbs chapter 18, it says that a man who has friends must show himself friendly, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother, closer than a blood brother even. You've got a family of faith here. And I had it in my heart really strong this morning to encourage you to get outside of yourself and do what the scripture says. A man who has friends must show himself friendly. Get out and make a friend. Go love on somebody. Go sow some friendship. Be led by the Lord. But find out who it is that you could invite over for dinner. I say dinner. Is that a Southern Arkansas term? Y'all say that? For supper, for dinner, for a meal, okay? Um, see who you could invite over to spend some time with. You know, we're going to be fellowshipping in church, but also you're supposed to have friends here. You're supposed to have those who God has joined to you. And so they can be, when you're doing the will of God in the place you're called to do it in, they can be actually closer than a natural brother or mother. Some people uh, use the excuse that I'm lonely, but it's only because they have self-isolated and set a stepped out and by faith sowed some friendship. So if you want to have friends, what do you have to do? Make yourself friendly. Show yourself friendly. You know, what I believe Jesus was saying when they said, hey, your family's outside. They want to see you. And his family was not happy with him. You know what I believe he was saying? I've got more in common with these guys than I have with them. And I think some of you would probably say the same thing. Maybe you, you have blood family that may not think the way you think, may not approach God and the word the way you approach it with the same passion and fervor and intensity. Well, listen, you've got a room full of people. And even if you've got more in common with these people than you do your own flesh and blood, that's okay. Jesus faced the same thing. Remember I told you a few weeks ago, he had problems with two groups of people, Pharisees and family. <laughs> So don't be surprised if perhaps you have some issues with the same group. What you need is your own company. You need people that you've got that thing in common with. There are two ways we're going to facilitate this in our church. One we've already talked to you about. We're building out space that's dedicated to this fellowship and this friendship. But number two, service, teams, serving the Lord. I'm not talking about what we do in church service. I'm talking about how you serve the Lord. The Lord's led us to create, what, how many teams are we at now? Eight, nine, 10 teams, something like that. 
places for you to plug in and start to serve. But it's, it's, it's about more than just what you do at the church. It's about finding something in common with a group of people. And that's where your fellowship is supposed to be. People have asked us, Hey, are you going to do small groups? Are you going to do these kinds of things? As far as we know, uh, until the Lord says something else, these are our small groups, these service teams. And if you're not on one, I'm telling you, you're missing out. Find out what you are supposed to do to serve the Lord. Well, I come to church. That's great. That's for you. That's not serving. If you'll find a team and find a group of people to serve with, this is how the Lord set it up in this church. When there's a need within that group, because there's a family around them and friends around them, then we've got it set up to where the, the, those leaders can be notified. And if it's need be, then Sarah and I can be notified and the church can go to work, meeting the need, serving as the local church. But we've already experienced it where somebody who had been a few times, well, I needed something. I, I, where, where were you? I, I, and the question is, well, are you serving? Because if you're not, then you don't, there, there's no chain. There's, there's no, there's no path for you to, to get word up the ladder, so to speak, to where we can get the family involved and get the need met. If you're not serving, then you're living at least in a certain degree, isolated and disconnected. So find out from the Lord, if you have a place to serve in this church. And if you do, I wouldn't waste any more time. Get in it. Your fellowship is, is there. Your friendship is there. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY and any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.